Grace and peace be unto you, beloved family, from God our Father and his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. What a joy it is to share with you the Word of God. As always, it's good to be with my Bridgeway family. Thank God for our pastor, Pastor Lance Hahn, and so excited to see what God is doing here in our church family by bringing to us Pastor Judah, who's a wonderful, wonderful young man. I've had an opportunity to not only know him, but know that he will bring such a blessing to this body, to our family, and to the region. So we're so thankful, and thank God for what he is doing in the body of Christ everywhere. Well, we're continuing in our series that uh, our pastors have been leading us through, through the book of Ephesians, what it means to be connected and be a part of this great big family of God. And I want to continue, if I may, by uh, leading us further in chapter 5. I want to pick it up in verse 1. In verse 1 of chapter 5, let's start there, and then we're going to go back and then go back and look at some passages that will catch us up from where we're going to uh, go further in the teaching of God's Word. Beginning here in verse 1, it says, Therefore, Paul says, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I love the fact that he starts out by saying, therefore, based upon this, whenever you see therefore in the Bible, you always want to go back and find out what therefore is therefore. So we're going to go back in just a moment and lay some foundation with that. But notice here, he says that we are to be imitators of God the Father. The actual terminology there in the Greek would mean becoming imitators. In other words, it's not a one-time work, but every day it is a process of growing and maturing and developing in the things of the Lord as to imitate God. And then notice in the second part of that verse, in verse 2, he says, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So therefore, we're to imitate God the Father, but we're also to imitate his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we imitate the Lord Jesus Christ? By our love for one another. Go back with me, if you will, to chapter 4 and verse 17. And here we really find the foundation that sets all of this up when we talk about how we live our lives, how we conduct our lives. Notice here in verse 17 of chapter 4, Paul says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Now, did you catch that? He says, you're no longer to walk as the Gentiles. This would be a reference to unbelieving Gentiles or Gentiles that have not received the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, you're not to walk like them. How do they walk? In the futility or with futile thinking or with empty thoughts or thoughts that do not produce He says here, you're no longer to walk as they uh, are walking and living their lives out in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding. Where does understanding take place? Within our minds. He says they're darkened within their futile thinking, their futile minds, they're darkened in their understanding and as a result, alienated from what? The life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. Do you see the progression of this? He says, how we think is how we will carry ourselves. How we think is our understanding. As a person thinketh, so are they. So he says here in the word of God, they have become callous, 
and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you, he's talking to the believer now, that's not the way that you've learned Christ. How do we learn Christ? Through the word, through applying the word of God daily, applying God's word to our hearts, meditating upon his word day and night. He says, you have not learned Christ in such a way, assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, how we used to live, how, as unbelievers, your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. He says, listen, we're not to follow after uh, futile thinking, but every day we're to be renewed through the meditation, again, in the Word of God, renewed in the spirit of our minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So here Paul tells us what we're to take off, but he also tells us what we're to put on. We're to take off those old ways, those old habits, those old things. Now remember, we can't do that in our own ability. We can't do that in our own strength. We need the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit to help us. We used to say like this. I remember we used to say, I, I've got the can't help it. I can't help but do this. I can't help but do that. But can I tell you something? The Holy Spirit has come to help you with the can't help it. He's come to teach us and to train us in the things of righteousness and holiness. And don't be afraid of that word holiness, beloved. Don't be afraid of that word. I know many of us have this misperception of what holiness is. I remember growing up as a young man, being a part of a ministry, part of a church, and we were considered to be holiness people. We were called the holiness people because we believed a certain way, but also we, we seemingly thought that to be holy, there were certain things we had to do. Uh, outward appearances were a big part of that. Uh, we were harder on the women than we were the men. With, the, with women, we said they had to wear long dresses down to the floor. They couldn't wear open-toe shoes. They had to wear their hair up in a bun. They couldn't cut their hair, no makeup. And men, we'd say they had to wear a tie to church and all of those different things. And we called that holiness. I called it later on ugliness. I found out that all of those things are not what makes you right with God. The, the outward stuff that we do is not what makes us holy. It's what happens on the inside, how we live our lives on the inside that exudes on the outside. And so therefore, you can't wear enough white dresses. You can't wear enough closed toe shoes. You can't wear enough ties and all of those things that make you right with God. The only thing that makes us right with God is the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood that has been poured out by our Lord and Savior that we might have everlasting life. Hallelujah. So we give God praise. Well, look back with me over in Ephesians 5 and let's continue on. We note here that our pastor on last week did a wonderful job at opening up verse 3 and uh, verse uh, 4 and 5 and helping us to understand how we're to live and abstain ourselves from sexual immorality, how we're to carry ourselves in sacred lives, whether you're married or single, that we live in a way 
that uh, blesses people, does not harm people, does not bring people into uh, disobedience out of our own disobedience. We learned all of that. And again, that's powerful. But notice what else he says here. The scripture brings out to us in verse six. He says, let no one, watch these words, let no one deceive you. How? With empty words. Where does deception take place? In the mind. In the mind. He says, let no one deceive you in your mind, in your thoughts. Let no one deceive you with empty words or words that themselves originated out of futile thinking, Ephesians 4, 17, that came out of futility themselves. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. He says, listen. There are consequences that comes with, again, not only being one who is out of fellowship with God, but one who has never received the Lord or one who is an unbeliever. That's, in fact, the reference that he's making here in regards to the sons of disobedience. There's a passage in Deuteronomy that brings this out very much in a way that's much more clearer. He says in Deuteronomy 21 and 18, verse 21, we find here that uh, Moses is laying out the law. He's presenting the law to the children of Israel and so forth. And this law is being presented to them. And one of the things that was prevalent within the law itself or the context of a culture or a nature that was under the law was the importance of honor and the importance of following and respecting your one's parents, following and respecting your father and your mother. And in this case, in this particular passage in Deuteronomy 21, eight, uh, 21 18 and 21, it talks about the fact that if a man or woman had an adult child that was disobedient, and this adult child would not follow the guidance and the direction of his parents, that child, after being disciplined, could then be brought to the elders of the city. And the elders were commanded to take a stone, and they would stone that disobedient son at the gates of the city so that the evil would be purged from the community. The evil would be purged from the city. What a dire consequence. What a dire, literally dying, dire consequence where this individual's life would be taken because of disobedience. Therefore, the wrath of God was manifested by the stoning of the elders. Now, I know what you're thinking. If that's the case, then we're in trouble because there are some of us who have been disobedient to our own parents. There's someone that's watching you thinking, oh my goodness, are they gonna take me out to the edge of the city and stone me? Well, thank God for grace. Thank God for his love. Thank God for his mercy. If we didn't have God's grace and mercy, I, you, and all of us, we would be subject to the wrath of God. But when the scripture speaks of sons of disobedience, here it is. It's not talking about believers. It's not talking about believers. Now, wait a minute. Can Christians sin? Absolutely. Absolutely. We all sin. We all, we're going to see in a moment. We sin and fall short of the glory of God. We miss it every day. But when he's referencing back in Ephesians chapter 5, when he speaks of the wrath of God coming, he's not talking about the wrath of God coming upon 
the believer. How do you know that? Well, there's two scriptures, Colossians 3. Colossians 3, 5 through 7. You might want to jot this down. It says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetedness, which is idolatry, on account for these, the wrath of God is coming. Did you catch that? He says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. But notice in verse 7 in Colossians 3, he says, in these, you too once walked when you were living in them. What is he referencing? When you and I were unbelievers. When you and I were unbelievers. We, we walked in that. We lived in that. that that's how we thought. We were, in the, we were in our own futile thinking. We were in our own futile thoughts. He says, you're no longer in that. You're no longer in that. The wrath of God is coming towards those who are the unbelievers who do not receive of his goodness, who do not receive of his mercy, who do not receive of his grace. Does that mean, does that mean that we just have the right then to go and just sin and do what we want to do? Not so. Paul would later talk about this. He says, shall I continue in sin? God forbid. God forbid. The fact that God has done so much through the Lord Jesus Christ to give us not only eternal life, but everlasting life and abundant life. How can we be satisfied with being disobedient to the things of the Lord? So not so. Another passage, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9 brings this out. For God has not destined us. Who is us? The believer. God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah to God. Isn't that an encouraging word to us, beloved? Listen, wrath is not in my future. With all that's going on with uh, the pandemic and so forth, there are so many different people who've been teaching things and they said, oh, the wrath of God is coming upon the earth and so forth. But beloved, the wrath of God is not coming upon the earth. Why? Because I'm still here and you're still here. And we're here to do the work of the kingdom. We're here to do the work of the ministry. We're here to let people know there is a way. There is an answer. Jesus Christ has done everything necessary for us to come and have right standing with God the Father. So stop saying that you're under the wrath of God. And when someone comes to you and tells you that God is judging you with his wrath, no, he's not, because I'm a believer. I'm a son and a daughter of the living God. Oh, hallelujah. Bless his name. Let's go back to Ephesians 5 and look with me in Ephesians 5. He says here in Ephesians 5 and 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God is coming or comes upon, again, the unbeliever. The unbeliever, the sons of disobedience. But notice in verse 7, therefore, do not become partners with them. Listen to how he says this. He says, as believers, don't partner with unbelievers. Don't partner with sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time, remember, here it is again, one time when you were an unbeliever, at one time you were in darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Hallelujah. Walk as children of light. Whenever the scripture talks about walking, it means conduct, behavior, lifestyle, 
how we carry ourselves, how we interact with our wife, how we interact with our husband, our children, our coworkers, our neighbors, our community, people we know, people we don't know. He says, listen, you walk as children of light for the fruit, verse nine, for the fruit, the outworks, the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Listen, you will know that a believer is in fellowship with God because their works follow them. Oh, there's some fruit that's going to show up. Oh, the, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit becomes evident within the life of a woman or a man who's in fellowship with God, who's walking with God. Listen, every day, getting into the Word, letting the Word get into us, studying the Word of God, uh, studying to show ourselves approved workmen and workwomen who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of God, allowing that Word to transform our hearts and our minds, and, and allowing our hearts to come into a place of full obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, walk as children of light, for the fruit of light, the fruit of light is found in all that is good, right, and that which is true. Listen to what he says in verse 10. Let's continue. And try to discern. Where does discernment take place? In the mind. In the mind and your thoughts. Every day, thinking, meditating upon the word, day and night. He said, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them for shameful even to speak of those things that they do in secret. Hold your place there. And let me show you a passage that I think brings this out so beautifully over in 1 John. Look with me over in 1 John. And we're talking about this light. And uh, I want you to see here. Uh, in fact, let's look down at 1 John and let's go down to verse, uh, well, let's start at verse 1, and then we'll just work our way down through the passage. Look at what it says in verse 1. That which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Okay? Not an empty word, not a deceiving word, but the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Look at verse 3. That which we have seen, or rather that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. Now, keep in mind, he's talking to believers. He's not talking to unbelievers. John, the, the beloved disciple, was talking in this epistle. He's talking to believers. And he says, that which we've seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things, notice here, that your joy may be complete. That your joy may be complete. You see, it's possible, beloved, to be born again and to be one who has received Jesus into your life and be saved. And yet, watch this, be out of fellowship with God. I didn't say relationship. I believe our relationship is secure. The moment you and I asked the Lord Jesus to come into our life and he came in 
And he saved us and he redeemed us. Beloved, our, 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 our salvation, well, listen, we have been redeemed. Nothing can yank us and pull us out of the hands of God. But it is possible because of sin, because of disobedience, it is possible to be out of fellowship with the Lord. You know, I've often used the analogy, my son is my son, my daughter is my daughter. Nothing can change that. Oh, listen, that relationship is established. It is clearly identified that that's my son and that's my daughter. But listen, how many of you know that have children? There are times when your children have been disobedient to you and they're not necessarily in fellowship with you. They might have to go to bed without dessert. Why? Because they're not in fellowship or there's consequences or there's time out. Back in the day, and when I was growing up, we didn't have time out. We called it takeout. We called it takeout. We didn't call it timeout. They made sure that you followed what you were supposed to do. But listen, the point being is that you can be out of fellowship and still be in relationship. Listen, I don't want to just have relationship with God. I want to have fellowship with God. Why? Because I don't want to be a believer who does not have complete joy. Can I say that again? Listen, the most miserable people on the face of the earth are not sinners. Yoo-hoo, sinners and unbelievers. We often say they're the most miserable people on the earth as far as life. They really, they must really be sad and all of this. Listen, I know some sinners that in their mind, they're having a good time. But you know, the truth be told, the persons that are the most miserable are believers, watch this, who are out of fellowship with God. Because listen, anytime I'm doing something that is wrong and contrary to the Word of God and not aligning with the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, He brings, watch this, not condemnation, but conviction. He lets me know, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have gone there. Uh, many times the Holy Spirit will say in advance, don't do this. And like you, I'll go and do it. Don't say this. And like yourself, don't look at me with that halo all straightened up on your head. You do the same thing. The Holy Spirit will say, don't do. And we still do it. But aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that when we obey God, he makes our joy complete? He makes our joy complete. Beloved, I want my joy to be complete by being in fellowship with the Lord every day of my life. Hallelujah. And let me keep on reading here just a few more verses. Look down here in verse 5. We're in 1 John 1 verse 5. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him... While we walk in darkness, did you catch this? If we say we have fellowship with God, while we are walking, conduct, behavior, activities, while we're in walking in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. We do not practice the word. We do not practice the instructions of the book that God gives us that we might grow thereby. See? And again, how many times have I done it? You've done it. We've done it. Where we'll say, I'm in fellowship with God. I'm in fellowship with God. But then we practice the things that are contrary to the word of God. We, con we, we practice the things that do not align themselves with God's word. That's why, again, we can't do this by ourselves. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us 
Can I tell you something? And the Holy Spirit does not come just so you can run around the church and, and dance around and say, whoo, I've got the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to transform our thoughts, to transform, to take the Word of God off the pages where we're not just sitting here and, 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 and reading the Word, but the Holy Spirit lifts that Word off into our heart and ministers to us. See? Because some of us think that the only problem when it comes to sin is smoking, chewing, and chasing women who do. And the reality is, beloved, sin is also the good things that we do in our own self-righteousness, the good things that we do in our own ability, and anything that we do outside of the help and the ministry of God himself through the Holy Spirit operating in us, it is sin. It is sin. I want to be in fellowship. He goes on to say, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, who is he? Jesus. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Why? Because Jesus not only, listen, not only is he in the light, but he is the light. Not only is he in the light. Listen, you will never find Jesus outside of the light. i never forget when I was back in college at ORU, there was a popular song out talking about Jesus is in the shadows. No, he's not. Dum, 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 dum. He's not in the shadows, beloved. He's not. He's the light. Where he is, there's light. Where he is, there's illumination. Wherever Jesus is, listen, darkness dissipates. And listen, can I say something else to you for some of us who want to play games with this and we think that we can kind of just mess around and it's okay and we can just do what we want to do? Listen, Jesus will never stop being the light and never step out of the light to go into the darkness to be where you are. He will always continue to be in the light to beckon us to come and obey him, to come and follow him, to come and live in the abundance that he has provided for each and every one of us. Oh, bless his wonderful name. And then he goes on to say, if we say we have no sin, verse 8, we deceive ourselves. Again, where does deception come in? The mind. We deceive ourselves. And the truth, where's the truth? The word of God is not in us. If we confess our sins, if we confess the things that we know to be sin, the known sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful, talking again to the believer, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess what we know to be sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us for both the known sins, but then also, watch this, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He even takes care of the things that we don't know to be sin, the unknown sin. If we confess, if we turn to him, if we follow him, he is faithful and just. I've often heard that passage in 1 John uh, 1, 9 used for altar calls and so forth. Beloved, it wasn't written for an altar call. It, it was not written as a salvation scripture for altar call. I know we do it, and it's, I know why we do it, and it sounds like, you know, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and faithful to cleanse us and forgive us. But truth be told, beloved, truth be told, when I received the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not a matter of me confessing my sins. I thought that for a long time. I thought in order to be saved, I had to go through and list all of my sins. And I got a little confused because I said, I'm bound to forget one. 
I'm bound to forget two or forget three. We don't confess our sins, but we confess Jesus as Lord and Savior as an unbeliever. And when we confess him, he saves us. And then after we are believers, then daily we keep that sin list short by confessing. And he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us again from known and unknown sin. Oh, praise God. Well, let's go back. In fact, uh, I, I want to just hit one more passage that I think will really draw this in to us over in Romans. Let's look at Romans, and then we'll look at Ephesians and wrap it up. But look with me over in Romans, and listen to what it says in Romans chapter... Well, let's look at Romans 13, 11. Romans 13, and we'll just start here in verse 11. Now watch this. He says in Romans... Again, we're in verse 13, 11. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to awake or to wake from sleep. Now notice here what, again, Paul is stating here. He says, besides this, you know that the time, he's going to identify what that time is. What are we dealing with? That the hour has come for you, believers, <clears throat> to wake from sleep. For salvation, deliverance, is nearer to us now than when we first believed. So now we know he's talking to believers here. He's not talking to unbelievers. He says, salvation, deliverance, is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Verse 12. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. And let us walk properly as the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So notice it. Again, he says, as we are walking in the light, we're not to make any provision for the flesh as to gratify our own personal desires. But rather, we're just to be, again, to be obedient, walk in the light, cast off those things, put those things off, and walk in the fullness of what God has for us. Well, let's wrap it up. Look with me over back in Ephesians. And he says here in Ephesians, oh, watch this. Watch how this just falls together for us. Look here, uh, Ephesians 5, and look down, if you will, at verse 14. For anything that becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, therefore, it says, watch this, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. One translation says, arise from among the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, let me ask you a question again. Is he talking to believers or unbelievers? He's talking to believers. And notice what he says to the carnal believer or the believer that's been walking in the flesh. He says, awake, wake up. He just said that earlier in, in Romans. He says, awaken from your sleep, from among the dead. He didn't say, wake up dead folks. He didn't say, wake up dead folks. He said, wake up you who are sleeping. You're asleep. And watch this, because you sleep, or because you're out of fellowship, or because you're continuing in sin, or because you're partnering with sons of disobedience, or because you're partnering in the things of sin, because you're not embracing the fullness, or rather allowing the fullness of holiness to embrace you, he says, you're asleep, but you look dead. You see, beloved, 
a, a believer who is out of fellowship with God, we look just like someone who's never received the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't tell them apart. If you take a person who's sound asleep and lay them next to a dead body, you can't tell who's alive and who's dead because they both look alike. He says, listen, I need you to wake up. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead or from among the dead. And Christ, when you do it, he will shine on you. In verse 15, look carefully. Then how you, here it is, walk. How you conduct yourself, your behavior your activity, what you do, what you don't do, what you say, what you don't say. We don't go to work and laugh at any, every dirty joke or every racial joke that's put out there. We don't go and partner up with that. We, we used to do that. We used to do that as unbelievers, but as believers, God is transforming us and changing us. Our, our hearts are turned with empathy and compassion towards others. And so we don't talk about uh, women a certain way. Men, we, we respect ladies. We respect who they are. We don't say little perverted and sexual jokes on the job and all of that. We don't, we don't get in the corner and laugh about stuff like that. We don't play with that. As believers, we are in the light. We are children of the light. We are men and women of the light. There's no place for darkness. There's no place for futile thinking. Making the best use of the time, he says in verse 15, making the, or verse 16, making the best use of the time or redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. All children, may I encourage you as I'm encouraging myself, you, re you realize I'm preaching to myself too, that every day I want to walk in his holiness. Not rules and regulations that I put on my own self, but I want the holiness that he exudes towards me to move and live through my life. For you understand this, holiness does not originate with us as though we present it to God, but rather it begins with God to be presented by him to us and through us. That's what holiness is. That's what we desire. Holiness, holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. Come on, lift those hands and say, holiness, holiness is what you want for me. Righteousness, righteousness is what I long for. Righteousness is what I need. You are righteous, righteousness, righteousness is what you want for me. Take my heart and mold it. Take my mind, Lord, transform it. Take my will, conform it to yours, to
to yours, O Lord. Take my heart and mold it. Take my will, transform it. Take my mind, Lord, conform it to yours, to yours, O Lord. Holiness, holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. You are holy, holiness. Holiness is what you want for me. Is what you want for me. Thank you, Lord. It's what you want for me. Beloved, children of the Most High God, spirit-filled believer, serve the Lord with obedience and gladness. You are the light of the world.